everybody. Welcome to Improv FAQ at length. This is a series of longer conversations about improv topics that have long questions surrounding them. I'm James Quesada. And I'm Bob Wick. And we also have a very special guest with us. It is Margaret Edwardkowski. Thank you for joining us. Uh, Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. Uh, Margaret is the uh, is a uh, director, um, director of the uh, home team, and a writer, performer, improviser at the Plant Ant Theater in Hamtramck in Michigan. Um, and we're very excited to talk to you about playing grounded in improv. Is going to be the topic. Um, so, Margaret, I, I, just, I was just curious to kind of like frame the conversation. Um, what, how do you think of grounded improv when it? gets brought up in conversation or if uh, students kind of ask you like how do i know if i'm doing grounded improv <laughs> well it, it's funny when you sort of told me what our topic we'd be talking about was i was like perfect because it's very much at the center of where i like to come from improvisationally um <clears throat> to me uh playing grounded because I come at this, you know, from an acting background first, uh, is, is really about connection and, um, these are going to be all cliches, but connection and staying in the moment and, um, and, and being really true to that moment versus, you know, there's, I feel like there's sort of two settings for us as players. There's that like looking for the bit, looking for the bit, looking for the bit, you know, like where's the game, you know, the, the head and the balls basically. And, and for me, ground is playing from the balls and, <laughs> and the guts where it's like, you know, 10,000 bits can go by. It doesn't matter because I'm here in this place being kind of patient and really trying to, to build a foundation to work from so yeah i i think that uh grounded it it sounds like is more about playing from like an emotional acting place for like the the reality of the character um does it matter to you if it's like or i i guess like how do you keep things grounded when it's like uh kind of in fantasy or sci-fi world or like you know what i mean i mean look <laughs> whether you're writing or playing or playing something that's already been written, you're coming from a base of a character that has a want and a set of feelings. Um, and, and those can vary, but just constantly folding back into some of those basics will always keep you grounded. So if you catch yourself thinking like, Oh, I could be saying something funny here. The audience really likes the other guy I'm on stage with better than they like me. You know, all those things that go through your head that pull you out of those moments. I think you just keep coming back to who am I? What do I want? What am I feeling? You know? And I think that can be a grappling hook for you. Yeah. Okay. So that, and I think that's super useful. I don't think I've ever really heard it uh, framed that way because grounded usually I, I think about like what the kind of content or subject is, but like it seems like a really useful, it's also useful to to be like, well, are you in your head or are you in the character? You know what I mean? Keeping yourself uh, in the mindset of what the scene is feeling and doing. That's cool. I think it's well, and that's when I, I think one of the things that's more challenging about improv than acting and actors will roll their eyes at me, but 
you know, when I get shit from people who are actors, right. Uh, about going into improv and doing, you know, shows for beer money in front of a screen that people are trying to watch the hockey game. Um, I'm like, there's a reason. Oh, Hey, that's my assistant with the coffee. Uh, uh, there's a reason why you're not doing this and it's because it's harder and a little scarier. And part of that harder part is that we have this giant part of analysis going on in our head because we're playwriting uh, while we're playing it. Um, the last time I did an actual play uh, and it was already written, I was like, okay, we have this. Why do we have four weeks of rehearsal? The play is already written, <laughs> right? What else are we going to do with all this time? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, so I think, uh, I don't remember where we started off, but I, and the point is like, those same elements are the same, whether you're coming to a role from as an actor or an improviser, you can only really control the character and, and how they react and, and what they're feeling. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, uh, but, but, but like being, um, authentically tapped into it is really, uh, yeah. Important skill to be able to tap into. Um, so when you, if, if if there's like a student or a performer who's having a really hard time um, tapping into those grounded qualities, um, are there kind of go-to ways that you, things that you tend to see that, that are challenges for, for people who have a hard time playing grounded and, and things you do to. Yeah. I mean, honestly, for me as a teacher, one of the, um, one of the main things I find myself constantly doing is, is I don't want to say stopping people, mm. but um, stopping them to point out something that they missed that was going on and what the other person was doing. So, um, so to me, it's it's going to be like stop. What did they just say to you? That's like my whole teaching. That's my notebook right. on how to teach. Stop. What did they just say? Because you're already writing this plot B, C, D, and E, right? It's already here. So, so I think for me, the, the thing that I'm constantly redirecting with students, especially those who seem to be more from the playing from the head place is, um, slowing them down and focusing them on the other person so that they're actually like listening yeah, and taking it in, um, yeah. which seems to help. But. Absolutely. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, and then I'm curious because, like, uh, I totally know what you mean by the, the head and the balls. And uh, for, for me, I've come across the uh, head, heart, and X factor. And uh, the heart would be, like, the emotional and um, sort of sort of being in the body of your character and uh, being physically present in the world of the scene. Mm-hmm. There's also, like, like, the X factor, I think, is a really uh, useful category, too, because some people who are really, really present and i i put myself in this category too if i'm really really present i get into a place of being like really mischievous and sometimes wanting to break the fourth wall or uh do absurd or surrealism type things and w- w- like what's your experience kind of working with people that have those impulses um <laughs> <laughs> 
Now, I'm not going to say that I've never broken the fourth wall, and I'm not going to say that I don't have a playful spirit. Uh, There are those times where it's almost like this hyper awareness where you can both like serve the scene and have a little fun on the side. But I will say, and anybody who's been on a a troop with me knows I do have a tendency to be more eye rolly uh, and attribute some of that behavior more to the boys in the group who get a little shiny objects. Um, So I do tend to be a little bit more like, can you, we were over here doing a thing. Can you just, you know, um, so I get to be, I I get to be a little stodgy on like, I'm having a moment. Don't break out of the moment to do this other thing. But on the other hand, I can't deny that some of the most, sorry for the word magic things I've ever seen in improv kind of come from that X factor place. So, um, I would say I probably don't lead out of that. It's usually a, like I got inspired and went down that road, but usually it's, um, uh, stop entering. Yeah. <laughs> I'm that guy. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I feel like the danger with it is that it's so uh, appealing, but but it only can be effective if it really is this rare magical spice that that uh it's like a unicorn, right? You're like, when it shows up, it's gonna be awesome. But if there were unicorns everywhere, we would stop caring or we'd be like, get out of the way. Oh man, these, these sharp ponies are everywhere. Well, and then I think also as teachers, you guys I'm sure have experienced that seeing that fucking light bulb the first time one of your students has one of those x-factor moments right. and then they go i want it's like that yeah. <laughs> i want to do everything high it's like that thing you know where it's like <laughs> yeah. like i'm gonna do it in the next scene and the next one and then you know and like yeah. uh and then that you know garage sale character or whoever whatever it is is like oh they're back good we don't have any self-control so i think i'm a little burnt by that so i tend to stay away a bit but i do think there's value there yeah uh, with you know yeah. <laughs> caution yeah some self-control <laughs> right right yeah. um yeah because the, the, the best is, is if it does naturally come to you like your best ability or your your putting your entire focus on something else and it is like really this thing that you're compelled to do not something that you're constantly waiting for the next opportunity yeah don't make it your thing (laughs) everybody's had that guy in their troop too i mean Uh, uh, the thing that makes me the most uncomfortable and i get pretty pissy and vocal about it i mean like one of the great things about being the old fart is you can kind of say whatever you want because you know there's so many years when you start off in improv you're like if someone would just tell you know jeff to stop entering or what you know and you just eat it and you, you hate improv for a while but you know when you're the old fart you're like guys nobody you know do the thing about cheese no more cheese or whatever it is um but for me like i'm a slow player and i'm a connection player and i need that so if i feel like the back line is this sort of sort of damocles like waiting for a bit to dawn on them to come in and like sweep away everything that i've worked with that makes me insane it's like the guy waiting for your spot while you're unloading your groceries into your car you know what i mean it's like there's a ton of spots just wait your turn (laughs) you know it just makes me now have you always been that way or is that something you developed 
I think it got worse over time for sure. And I think I got burnt enough times where I was like, right. we were just about to, you know. Oh, no, I meant just like the slow play, just like taking oh. your time with everything and developing the characters <laughs> and the storyline. Yeah. I became a bitch over a slow play. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I've been saying for the 12 minutes. I just decided to throw some shade while my internet finally started working. That's the kind of asshole I mean, no, I came right out the gate like that. Um, no, I should have been more specific with the question. Yeah, <laughs> nice I'm interview. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think it did. I think it did. Uh, I mean, time slows you down, too. But also, I think that same analogy about, you know, starting off and wanting to do the everything bagel every time versus, you right. know, learning how to play. I mean, I remember the moment, the aha moment I had about like letting other people do some of the work. And it was on main stage downtown doing a scene with Larry Campbell. And instead, cause I thought if you supply the who, what, and where you're right. doing a plus work, right? Cause, cause you've put it all out yeah. there. And, and so I did it all. And then I just didn't have much. So I just put it like a where, a who or whatever. And he came back and I was like, Oh, he puts information in the basket. Oh, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, you know, it, it took me a while to get style, and I guess. Do you think that, like, does that come from being, uh, you know, actor, writer? Is that like, is that where it was coming from? Is that like, okay, if we, if we're going to get our scene going, I got to get, this is the list of things we got to get done with. Yeah. I'm also a pleaser. Uh, and I also came to this, like, you know, I had a theater degree, but my improv was basically like I'd played freeze tag and did a comedia show and call, you know, I, I mean, I think I was a character actor and funny, but I didn't have any training and they hired me right into the touring company. So there's a little bit of like fake it till you make it, um, right. going on there too. So, uh, you know, as soon as, and, and I mean, if you give me a note, I will take it. So, you know, we were sort of being trained as we went and given all this information. So if it's soon as like, you know, who, what, and where, okay. All right. I will do all of those. Yeah. You don't have to do any of them. I got it for you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that, I guess that is kind of like the uh, opposite end, a pitfall on the opposite end from where those like X factor people are is, is, is like you said, like trying to uh, do too much or uh, carry too much of the load and, and, and being convinced that that is um, the A plus that, that you're like, I oh, think yeah. it in one set. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, even to the point where it's like, I mean, I set that whole scene up for you and you didn't play the character that I laid out for you. <laughs> You're welcome. But I'm, like you know, stuck, stuck. Go ahead. Oh, it's like getting stuck with the smart kid during during a group project. Just bring the whole thing the next day. Like, my dad helped. Like, yeah. Okay, well. And they oh, don't cool. really want your input, even if you're willing oh, to do no. work. It's like, <laughs> did you just read the page that I wrote? for your yeah. part of the presentation. <laughs> yeah. Your lines are highlighted. <laughs> I actually got in trouble for that in third grade for a thing about vision that I had to do. For, for hogging the stage. <laughs> My mom worked at an optometrist. I thought I was the expert. So yeah, I got this. <laughs> thing or two. Guys. Yeah. Um, but so, 
Yeah. And the, and the other thing that kind of com- that comes to mind is um, being from an acting background. And uh, I think maybe like Mick Napier had this uh, interview where he talks about um, the first generation of uh, improvisers being taught by actors um, and then eventually improvisers teaching improvisers is, is the thing. And um, do you, is there a way I, I you, you pointed out the um, stopping people and just asking like, what did that person just say? Mm-hmm. Um, which I think is a great tool for just listening and being committed to the right. scene. Are there other things that you find maybe students seem to be missing if, if they don't get um, theater backed improv training? Yeah. It's funny. Um, I did one of my, my day job uh, with Y Arts, the YMCA in Detroit. We partner with the Detroit Creativity Project and we do the Improv Project, which is um, free improv classes in uh, Detroit schools uh, with local improvisers. And we bring in, we get to, DCP is amazing for this because we get to like dream pick like trainers. So we brought in Michael Gelman a couple years ago to train with us. And I had worked with him for years. And, and then he, you know, really just like the first you know, 45 minutes was just like him telling improv history. And we were all like, you know, and a lot of what he went on to is like, I create improvised theater. I don't create improv, you know, thing. And I'm, you know, back there, like, uh, cause I get a little snooty about it, to be honest. Um, uh, because I feel like there's a core, a truth thing, um, that, not having that acting training uh you miss out on and i know i'm a snob so bear with me (laughs) but um (laughs) i think there is a level of dramatic analysis um that you miss out on i think that there are for me one of the bigger challenges are some of just sort of the conventions of the theater and behaviors, um, that you're sort of taught when you're trained to be an actor, um, as well, but also, um, you know, some of the respect for your own work, uh, and for the characters that you create and for, uh, and ways that you interact with people and do or don't, um, feedback to them about their choices, <laughs> you know, um, uh, some of that, and then also, you know, just sort of some of that really deep core of being in what you're doing. Um, I think some of those things are missed, but on the other side of the coin, cause that was what you said, like our first generations at second city in Detroit were all people that had BFAs. And then after that, a lot of people came in that just started training there, but then you get like a Tim Robinson or a Garrett Fuller or like some people that are like meant to do this and, you know, might have wasted four years on a degree, you know, that they could have been out there doing the stuff. So I don't know everything. I think acting training is really good. It makes a difference. If you're an improviser, take an acting class, but you know yeah and i feel like it it eventually comes down to knowing what you want to do or like the style that you want to be involved in if your goal is to create more uh character narrative based 
work, then that's an important thing to know and to find your your people to do that with. Um, and I, you know, we we, we mentioned um, uh, Isaac Kessler and Ken Hall, two man no show a lot uh, on here because they just have such a an unusual style, and there's a lot of uh, clown infusion and uh, engaging the real people in the real. <laughs> And, um, if that's the type of thing that you want to do, it's good to know that too, to like, but otherwise, yeah, I imagine one of the toughest things is to, um, kind of, uh, mix styles without, um, a, a clear declaration of what we want to do as a group, you know, and, uh, it's, it's fun at like, at like festivals or, or, um, one of my favorite things to do and see is to see. Uh, random combinations of improvisers get together and just and just play and just see what happens throwing them on stage together but long term it's probably best to be like what do we want to do just so we don't start rubbing yeah, each other with that's the goal. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> although i will say and, and you know i don't know i can be a pretty unpredictable person i guess but you know in the one sense that i'm like i'm an actor and I don't you know you have to be trained on the other side like if somebody says improv rehearsal i'm like oh god no you know All that like i don't have that kind of discipline what do you think the difference is like i don't know i don't know uh i don't know because there, there's and that was the other thing i was thinking about with improv and acting is like i think one of the things we as improvisers have which fun but also can be limiting <laughs> is we like to make fun of shit right especially if it's like mm -hmm. you're gonna feel something or let your guard down or any of that stuff well, I, be vulnerable yeah when we did class the other bob and i always call it like hippie shit right like sorry i'm gonna do some hippie shit with you guys <laughs> right? Right. Like, we're gonna feel something so um <laughs> so i think uh I do. I am an improviser in the sense that I'm like, oh, okay, let's do a warm up. Ugh, you know, like, uh, let's have rehearsal. We used yeah. to hate that on the cruise ship. We used to have to rehearse. Like that was part of it to prep for our improv set. I was like, oh, can't we just put a running order together and just do it? Like, why do we have to rehearse? But yeah, yeah, it that's. That's very interesting to me. And, and also, I imagine it has to do with, like, again, of course, depends on what your goals are. Because um, you're, like, craftier, right? Like, you make games, and you would you like to rehearse your troupe and stuff? Yeah, I've, I've made shows completely around the idea that, like, let's try to do something that we would have to rehearse, that you couldn't just say, right. try this and, and pull it off. And just... But but here's the thing, is is that, like, I, I think that, like... Um, like Margaret, you do a lot of work in uh, writing and in theater and production, um, and and you you've you've been with uh, Second City um, and through a theater program. So it's kind, of, kind of like if you haven't had those experience, like m maybe maybe if you if you have kind of put in your time with this uh, work and you you do more refined work on the side or uh, alongside improv that you kind of need a break from that, that improv is kind of like a haven for yeah. uh, not taking it so uh, structured or rigid off stage. Whereas I don't understand that if people haven't been through the same thing, um, right. they've like, never taken it seriously. From, you know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. well, there's another thing you also play like the trip run is comprised mostly of your friends 
but you talk to him all the time anyway. So like, you're, there's always that connection there. And that's what we usually do when you get to your level. That's basically all you're doing during rehearsal is like reconnecting with everybody, just checking in. And I would imagine you do that on a casual basis all the time anyways. Well, and look, let's be straight. Like as an artist, when you get to a certain number of years in, and I'm I'm not talking about I only get out of bed for, you know, five grand or whatever. <laughs> but you like you don't wanna show up unless you're either getting money or mm -hmm. something satisfying for you creatively out of it. Yeah. Yeah. I have lost count of the number of improv sets that I've done in my life. So I'm not seeking out, you know, like chances to play. I'm not, you know, like, Oh, I can't wait to, you know, do that garage sale character again. Uh, I don't care. You know, like I, if I never played again, I'd be okay. I'd be, you know, I'd miss it, but I'd be okay. Um, and the other thing is with this creative endeavor we don't typically get paid <laughs> yeah, so right. so if i'm not seeking out fun and i'm not getting paid i don't need to rehearse too like you know what's the fun of that and also i think once you 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 have a family and other obligations then it's borrowed time your, your creative time so yeah. for me that's mostly writing now so i don't you know volunteer to rehearse but i have had very productive and important rehearsals in my my day <laughs> yeah, I'm well, uh, speaking of go ahead, oh, go ahead james uh well, speaking of writing how are uh how are the the plays with your son coming along or are we gonna oh, see those soon or uh, you i know, love those so much you did oh uh, yeah well it was funny because you know immediately now quarantine then you're a teacher right and then i said to right. my kid i'm like he's like well this is the time we have choice time I'm like well what do you do to, during choice time he's like i was like what's your favorite thing he's like dramatic play and i was like what <laughs> you know, like, yeah all right so, let's do it. Uh, <laughs> all right so then it became this sort of like daily thing of okay what story are we going to tell today and then he would sort of give me all the ideas and then I would like beat it out and then we would talk it through and then we would just record it on my phone and put it up on Facebook. But you know, uh -huh. as the quarantine went on, it got to be a little, it was just like the project just got out of hand. No, it was just, <laughs> <laughs> you know. but when we were up North, I was uh, last week, I was like, Oh, we should do, we should do a play. But we didn't. So we'll, we'll need to do, we'll need to do a couple more. I mean, I, I have a love hate relationship with what an actor that kid is. <laughs> I just, uh, hmm. <laughs> everybody's like, you know, take them on auditions, do this or whatever. I was like, Corey's, 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 the Corey's. No, like I didn't yeah. want him to be a child actor, you know, I don't have the time for it either. So yeah, no, I, I, uh, I can imagine. I don't know. It's it, because the the child star story is just like so, such a oh, so, so creepy. Other yeah. than Haley Joe Osment, they don't really turn out great, you know. Yeah, like he seems cool, but otherwise they're yeah. You know. Joseph, yeah. Gordon, I got through it eventually. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Drew, Drew Barrymore's okay now, but she had now, some dark years. Yeah, you know. Oh yeah. Um, so. All the Culkins. Oof. 
Yeah. <laughs> just <got> quiet. <laughs> but, well, because uh, my kid just watched Home Alone for the first time, and it was, it was a strange experience watching somebody see that for the first time. <laughs> Did he like it? Oh, yeah. He's totally that kid's age right now, so it was perfect. Yeah. Yeah, I wonder how much... I. But I, I always wonder about like movies that are... Uh, what what is that? What was that? Like ninety one or something? If that, yeah. Late. 80s. I mean, we just showed him yeah. Jumanji today too. The weird thing is when you're an old parent, like the stuff you're showing is like really old. <laughs> it's like, right. Right. And that's what I'm saying is like, a, like I, as a kid, I feel like uh, cartoons and like Disney and Pixar stuff, things like Toy Story would would probably hold up better for my attention if I'm just putting myself in in those shoes. Yeah. I, I, I eventually 80s and 90s movies have to be like watching black and white films for me when I was younger. You know what I mean? Well, yeah. I would, yeah. I would imagine like the more special effects stuff. Cause I remember my mom trying to show me like escape from which mountain. And there's a part where they possess some <laughs> like mannequin dolls. And I was like, Oh, this is bullshit. Cause I just saw like Jurassic park and that was a real dinosaur. This <laughs> I yeah. can see the strings within the strings. No, thank you. We just watched Jurassic Park because my kids, obviously, you know, there's like yeah. a legal requirement for dinosaur fandom between the ages of like five and it's eight, I think. Right before Ninja. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. uh, but I was like, you know, he plays the, the Lego game of Jurassic Park. I was like, oh, well, this will be too scary. The movie's too scary. And he's like, no, I can watch it. And he like, nothing. And I'm over there like, yeah. so scary. <laughs> You're totally fine. Six years old. Like, let me see the second one. Right. Yeah, I I grew up watching. Um, I remember the uh, Terminator Two uh, mm. came out when I was like four years old. And, Did you see uh, it at that age? In the theaters, yeah. <laughs> no <Wow>. way. <laughs> yeah, because I have. Well, I'm trying brother, not to judge. <laughs> my brother and I <laughs> have this memory of. Uh, it might have been. Uh, I don't know. We both have the same memory of being in a movie theater and um, the power going out during uh, Terminator 2 because of a tornado or uh, thunderstorm or something. Oh my um, gosh. And so, yeah, that's that's like a standout memory of ours. That, like, <laughs> Terminator 2 at the age of uh, four and five or five and oh, six. You know, dollar theaters. All right. Yeah. Um. But so, uh, hop, hopping back over to uh, playing grounded, um, and on the topic of writing. Oh, yeah. improv, right, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you don't want to talk about my kid for forty-five minutes? Okay. <laughs> um, it, do you? What are, What are some things that that you offer for people uh, in sketch writing or uh, any any kind of uh, script writing to keep things grounded? Um, uh, go ahead. Like as a teacher or as a writer or both or if you're giving notes, I, so a, a teacher mm -hmm. or a director, I think if it's, if it's your job to give feedback and and mm -hmm. it seems not grounded, you know, mm -hmm. but the advice in improv of of being like get out of your head and into the body and uh, emotions of the character is really great, which is not something you can do while writing as much um, or in the same way. So I'm just kind of curious how it translates. Uh, I haven't, I haven't ri taught writing in in some time but um have been doing a lot of it and have worked with you know we did a playwriting 
play reading series for a while at planet ant uh called the ant farm um and uh, you know that was really really valuable i think in the sense of you know getting to have your stuff read by actors and then get some feedback from the audience and right now i'm in a place where i sort of stepping into fiction which is a, a a much lonelier place and you really have no idea what any of it looks like but um working with um students or other writers and giving feedback for me because everything i've done has come from such a character base um it's really always about folding back onto that stuff i mean i hate to sound like a broken record but it really is sort of the same as playing you know in, in acting school or acting school like i went to acting school uh in <laughs> theater school they would tell you you know sort of the function of theater is um oh no i'm gonna forget it i have mom disease uh it's like i want this and i'm gonna change the way you think there uh, there's a better way of saying it but it's it's basically like you know every single thing is driven by your character's wants Mm-hmm. You know, one of the things that I'm uh, struggling with uh, in fiction is um, <clears throat> internal conflict. Because um, mostly I'm like, I don't know about structure as a writer. Like, I write as an improviser. I just dump and edit, right? Whether it's sketch or a play or a novel or whatever. Just like tell the story, be true to the story, and then go back and edit it. So it's a matter of, you know, <laughs> like you get you know, notes back about your internal conflict. I'm like, what is that? I don't, what's internal, you know, <laughs> like, well, how do I make it stronger? I don't know, you know, but yeah. no, I don't think you can ever go wrong with who's this character. Tell me one or two basic truths about them, where they're coming from and what they want. Um, and then you'll always be able to get it back foundation. Cause here's the thing. Do you find yourself doing this as a writer? especially if it's something you had to do any kind of research about, you have to make all these decisions about what stays and what goes. Right. And if you find yourself putting things in that are just like, well, that's a cool idea, right. (laughs) That's probably not going to be grounded. That's probably, you know, a little extra frosting for the cake that you didn't need. (laughs) Yeah. 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 But it's a cool idea. Yeah, so I and I, I get I get really fixated on this question uh too about like because I love the hearing someone like you talk about like the uh integrity and truth of uh character and scene and story, but I'm always um I'm al- I'm also like how do you balance that with if your intention is to do comedy, um making sure that it is comedic and, and again kind of bouncing back over to improv, I think it's it's harder there to train your instincts to consistently be funny when, um, if, if, if your main focus is just like, um, good acting, cause lots of good acting can turn out dramatic, right. Or tragic. <laughs> I'm so glad you said that. Cause that kind of, for me is central to my writer's voice and my player's voice, which is this a improvisationally, it's about trust. It's about trusting that you created an interesting character. And I always tell students and Nancy and I, when we play as bottle red, have a, a, 
like a bylaw of this, like let it be serious if it wants to be explore that. Cause what'll hopefully happen. Like here's what I'm always chasing. This is my favorite kind of laugh to perform and or write. It is, and I'm not even that big of a fan of this movie, but it's the best example. Uh, <laughs> it's Steel Magnolias, but so sad. And it's like the funeral and they're all just, you, and you're crying, you're watching the movie. And she's and, and Sally Field makes that big speech. And she's like, I just want to hit something. I want to hit something. And they're like, here, hit Weezer. And it's this like laugh out of super sadness that is like a hard fucking laugh, you know? Um, yeah. I love those those ones that come out of you weren't expecting it, you know, uh, environments. To yeah. me, the comedy comes from that character, whether they're written to be funny or not. Uh, Commedia will tell you comedy is just food, sex, and money, right? Those are the three drivers. Every character has some connection to those three things. All Very of these things come out of base human, you know, places. Yeah. So uh, all you have to do is get the the character you're working to to come to the table of some of those things vulnerably, vulnerability wise, right? <clears throat> so yeah. if it's you know a sex driven character, that's that's where it is. If it's a food driven, if it's a money thing, if you know. Anyway, yeah, that makes sense, and I think that like uh, one of my one of my favorite quotes I, maybe comes from Kurt Vonnegut. I, I'm going to find out that was Mark Twain later, but um, uh, somebody said that um, like laughing and crying are both. Um, reasonable responses to the condition of the world or some, something along those lines. Oh, that does yeah. sound like Vonnegut. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it, I think, I think that it's just so mysterious and I'm always just like looking, there's no scientific or um, ob objective answer that you can really uh, give, but it's just, it's, it's just nice to hear different perspectives on, on how and why it happens. Uh, even if you're not going out of your way to force it that way, you know what I mean? to hack at it. Uh, and and I, it, that's what it reminds me of when you were talking about that. Well, what I thought of when you were forming the question, sort of like, how, how are you going to have the comedy <clears throat> is I think of, sorry, I'm clearing my throat right into the microphone. Um, I thought you were still upset about Steel Magnolias. When I, I think about one of the very first shows that I directed at Planet Ant, and there was this scene, uh, or no, it wasn't even that scene. It was just the show in general. We put a ton of work into it. And the guys were all very funny. And it got like a hmm, ha, 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 kind of response. And I will never forget this. It was one of the most learning experiences as a writer, because all I kept saying to myself when I sat in that audience is, if they would just listen to the words, they would laugh. Right? Ooh. That is an indicator that I didn't do my job to say that to myself because it can't be in the words. It has to be in the impact and the feelings and the environment you created. And all. And so to me, the laughs that come out of these honest, emotional character driven moments are 10 times funny. Like I would rather shoot myself in the head than watch a, a live studio audience sitcom Honestly, I'd rather eat a bowl of broken glass. But <laughs> why? 
because it's <laughs> like you've never no, no live audience sitcom has ever really uh gotten your i mean i grew up on happy days and shit i'm not saying i never watched it i'm just saying now like to make me actually laugh bro yeah for sure. no that is because it just feels so forced and so line laugh driven you know yeah 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 it is i i, I always have um I get the metric of laughs per page. Mm. You have come across Margaret yeah. is like th- trying to get three laugh lines per page. And it's like, I, I, I get it, but it's also like, I don't know. It does seem very in that vein of um, trying to, I don't know, play, play the sitcom thing. And uh, I don't know, not, not, not try to tell a story the best necessarily. Or it's, it's at least something I struggle with. I don't really know have an answer for it. Yeah. it just, uh, again, reminds me of that. Yeah. And look. Uh, yeah. Go ahead. Oh, well, I was just thinking, like, during this discussion, like, with that particular genre, it's hard to invest in characters who are honest because of the laugh per page thing. They have to do that line delivery. So they're insincere. You know, like, they're, Absolutely. they're it's all. Well, what did that get so? Like it's vaudeville, is what it is. Yeah. It's still vaudeville, and I think so, too, like Detroit has a very, very realistic style. I think mm-hmm. of comedy, uh, and for me, because I typically write dramedy, um, like I, I don't want any of that. Like you said, Bob, that sort of like I'm saying this because it's going to get a laugh. <laughs> No, I want to <laughs> saying this because I have to. Here's your you know? cue. <laughs> well, here we go. <laughs> one of my favorite laughs that anything I ever wrote gets, because it was one of those like, I don't know how this is going to play, is there's like dating piece. And this girl tells this whole story about how her family owned a um, convenience store and how her dad got shot and killed by someone at the convenience store. And this is a first date. And the guy who this whole time has been trying to win this girl and is so awkward, um, thinks it's the appropriate time to be like, you could call me daddy. Uh, (laughs) right at the end of her speech. But however, it's written, like it's done in a way that you like feel for him. Like, Oh dude, you tried, you really tried. Um, (laughs) And it gets a really good laugh, but it was one of those like, Oh man, (laughs) that's where I'm at. I don't want, like when I heard that two and a half men was the level of successful that it was, it was like, who, like who's watching that? But, you know, that's a very large swath of the American population enjoys CBS comedies. Yeah. It <laughs> I'm wild. Unfortunately, not in that demographic. Yeah. It's, uh, I think that television has, has gained from uh, not being so sitcom centric that, uh, mm. you know, when, whenever it was that like Arrested Development and things like The Office. The Office and Parks yeah. and Rec and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. 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 And even then into this sort of new, you know, like once they got into like parenthood and, and what was the other one yeah. with Crockpot, like uh, where it's something that has a little bit of everything, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It can get really um, sort of, uh, I, I, you know, 
sentimental or dark or or whatever mm-hmm. it has this although i guess that was 30 something back in the day you know oh yeah yeah i forgot about that one yeah <laughs> yeah you were six when that was on james <laughs> what was it i mean like was it on was it oh oh yeah <laughs> uh yeah it was a 90s uh show about you know 30 somethings and right. some of them were young parents and you know gotcha so get your google out dude i'm not gonna teach yeah. you it was, it was kind of like parenthood or yeah, yeah it was very much like parenthood all right uh friends but for real people <laughs> right yeah. right yes um okay well uh be- before we uh let you go here, Margaret. And it's been a really great conversation. Um, I'm glad we got to talk about this topic with you. Um, uh, what, what do you, you have some really great things going on, uh, a new show. Um, would you mind telling us about that? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I just started it and, uh, it's a monthly, uh, streaming show, uh, through planet ant, uh, and Hamtramck. So that's on their YouTube and Facebook. Uh, but it's called Hey girl. And, um, it's about women in comedy and I have like three guests, uh, once a month and we talk about what it's like to be in this industry as women. Awesome. Yeah. And, uh, so you've had your first episode and it's going to be a monthly show, correct? Yeah. Usually the first Saturday in, uh, in the month. So September 5th will be our next one. Okay, great. That's so um, exciting. Uh, on the Planet Ant website, uh, or sorry, on the Planet Ant YouTube page and also Planet Ant's Facebook. It streams to both of those live, uh, oh, cool. and then is, is recorded and available on there after the fact too. That was, the, that was, you know, speaking of ages, like I was like, so how do I promote this? What do I say? Was and there's like, just, you know, just say it's going to be on. I'm like, on what, you know? <laughs> yeah. And then people my age and older are like, but how do I watch it? I'm like, I just, oh, I'll, send, yeah. I'll send you a link. Like, you know. <laughs> totally. <laughs> yeah. um, awesome. Well, uh, yes, again, it's, it's, it's Hey Girl and it's uh, once a month, first Saturday <laughs> of the month um, and uh, on Planet Ant, YouTube and Facebook. Uh, yes. It, it, I can't, can't wait to uh, see it continue and uh thanks again for joining us margaret it's been really thanks great thanks for having me yes thank you so much listening to my cantankerous ass <laughs> no, it's just, I, I, honestly it's like we should all be <laughs> oh it was worth it just to hear jane go hey girl hey girl <laughs> so yeah that's my whole goal is to just get the women on them like hey girl i love it hey girl uh very cool um uh, Thanks for joining, and we'll catch you next time on Improv FAQ at Lang. Bye. Bye.